Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Welcome to episode 37. So so Matt and I were just discussing the crazy winter weather that we have been experiencing across the U.S. and, and probably beyond. Um, I, I don't know about you, Matt. I don't know how you're surviving because down here in Texas, we are not prepared for these temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't doing it. That's that's pretty much pretty much. I'm done with winter. I'm ready to move to Hawaii. So y'all just look out. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty nice. I know we've been dealing with like record colds up here. It was 15 below uh, Fahrenheit up here, and um, yeah, my uh, my furnace can't keep up. And <laughs> I know you were just Dang. saying you were like you were like I don't have clothes for this kind of weather, right? No, uh, uh-uh. uh, like I, I walk out and I'm like. I've got to take my gloves. You've got to be kidding me. Like uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> around here, yeah. like I, like you only, you only carry a coat, like, uh, you know, five times a year. <laughs> yeah. So, so the idea that it's actually cold enough that just going from your car into the grocery store that you, you have to like put on some gloves or do anything. That's just like a foreign thing to me. So um, yeah. I'm not, I have not been doing well. I've been pretty much holed up in the house and, and just trying to stay warm. I, I mm-hmm. do not like to be cold. So I feel so bad for the people up north oh, yeah. who, who yeah. are getting the worst of it. Cause I know you're just like, Casey, don't even, don't even go there. Cause right. it's, it's nothing. What we've had is nothing. So yes. um, I hope everybody is safe and I hope everybody is warm. And I hope by the time that you listen to this, that it's all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And even though it's cold outside, we've got lots of good content, nice and warm and ready to go for you inside this episode. See what I just did there. So <laughs> In this episode today, we're going to be talking about, yeah, segues are my thing. Didn't you know that? Corny uh, is your thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say they were good segues. I just said they were segues. So not like mall cop segues. That's a different thing. So anyway, I got to, I got to stop inside. So inside this episode, we're going to be talking about what you may have missed in the year 2017. Um, when it comes to Google, uh, Google has done tons of stuff um, with its products, but also uh, just with all sorts of different initiatives and everything. So we're going to pull out a couple of things that have happened this year that sort of touch on the education side of things or are just interesting. 
We got all sorts of feedback from our listeners, some suggestions from them and some questions. We've got a couple of things in the way of news. And of course, we'll share some blogs with you. So I think I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go, Casey? Let's go. Now, you know, we've had a bit of a break here from Google. I feel like they're on vacation as well. I think so they are, yeah. The, the updates have not been, uh, you know, that exciting. So we do have some news to share that I think is pretty exciting. And the, the first thing that we're going to share with you is the My Future Me winner. And so if you if you miss this earlier in the year, Google's Made with Code project, which is a project designed to close the gender gap in the programming industry and get more girls and young women interested in coding. They teamed up with Snapchat. And so they had this hashtag my future me competition for teens to code their own Snapchat filters. And this article is announcing the winner. And her name is Zoe Lynch. And she's a ninth grader from South Orange, New Jersey. And she designed this really cool Snapchat filter, um, Unstoppable, and it's very much about uh, female empowerment, and I love it. And, you know, she says, the idea for my filter was what can happen when everyone puts their brain power together? When we do that, we are unstoppable. And so I think this is great. The title of this article is the My Future Me winner is often the only girl, but she's going to change that. And so... Again, sort of reemphasizing the fact that we need to help encourage computer science skills and coding, um, not only in, in young girls and young women, but in all of our students, because it's definitely a needed skill and they can do some amazing things with these skills, which takes us to another article from Google on the Google and Gallup's computer science education research. So they put together the six things to know that came out of this research. And it's pretty powerful stuff here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these to you real quickly. Number one, students who have been encouraged by a teacher or parent are three times more likely to be interested in learning computer science. Number two, boys are nearly two times as likely as girls to report that a parent has told them they would be good at computer science. Anybody feeling that one? I know I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little heartbreak from that one myself. Right. Uh, at age 12, there is no difference in interest between computer science in, in boys and girls. However, the gap widens from age 12 to 14 when 47% of boys are very interested, but only 12% of girls express interest. So something very interesting happens in that preteen, teen, teen age bracket there. Number four, across black, Hispanic, and white students, girls are less likely to be interested in learning computer science compared to boys with the biggest gap between black girls and black boys. So uh, black girls being 15% interested and black boys 44% interested. And number five, students are more likely to learn CS in suburban areas, 61%, than in rural areas, 53%. So um, some pretty staggering statistics here. And the last one, Principals perceive mixed parent and school board support for uh, computer science. And the top barriers to offering CS include a minimal budget, 
scapegoat figure, right? Yep. And a lack of trained teachers, as well as competing priorities for standardized testing and college requirements. That sounds about right. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't typically like to read that much, but that just stands out. That's some very powerful information. Um, that motivates me. I don't know about you, but it motivates me to to want to to um, want to help encourage this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I think my big takeaway here is, um, you know, encourage. Don't just encourage boys. Um, you know, for whatever reason, I think it's kind of like that whole. Um, what do they call? Um, the 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 term has escaped me. Like you're you're biased towards something even when you don't realize it. I think there's there's some of that at play here. So um, my big takeaway here is encourage girls, especially between the ages of twelve or fourteen or even a little before, to just give it a shot. And I mean, just the the potential for using computer science later on in life is huge. And this was an eye opener for me too. Now, another thing that that has come out recently has to do with this thing called News Lab. And this is touching on the issue that has really come out in the last year or so about fake news. I know fake news has been around forever, but I mean, it seems to be sort of rampant and widespread lately. And Google's got this thing called the News Lab, which basically does a number of things for journalists. And, you know, if you're if you're teaching kids journalism or if you're using news within the classroom, this may be sort of a connection. But this is really something that I think touches anybody who consumes news, which is pretty much all of us, I think. Um so basically what they've started doing is creating these tools and this training that uh, people in the news industry have, and then also um, giving them data that they can use to actually you know, report correct things and to verify their information, and everything. And um, having been someone who, you know, personally, I was trained in journalism before I was in education. I was a newspaper reporter. Some of this stuff was only just starting to surface when I was in the newsroom myself. Not only are we empowering journalists with some of this data and the ability to be accurate, you know, but to make it available to, to everybody is, is really great. So I, I say kudos to the folks at the Google News Lab for doing this. And of course, if you want to find any of these articles we've talked about or anything from the show, really, you can always head to googleteachertribe.com slash 37. So as the year 2017 goes into the books and we start into 2018, it seems like a lot of people are being pretty reflective and they're looking back. And of course, Google's no different. And Casey and I ran across this neat uh, post that they had on the Google blog about 12 things that you may have missed from Google in the year 2017. And we're looking through that and we were going, you know, so much of this stuff relates to education. I think there's, I think there's plenty in here for us to talk about. And, um, you know, from the, the updates that they've made to the new products that they've created to some of the, the cool things that they've done beyond and even some uh, resources that they've put out for people in education and otherwise. Uh, it really has been a good year for people that, that use Google and we really have a lot available at our fingertips. We definitely have tons of, of information and really cool projects. And a lot of these are things that we have already shared on the podcast. So we've got lots of links to previous podcasts in the show notes, right? 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And so to, to kind of jump into the first one, this was something that we uh, just touched on in a fairly recent episode, and that has to do with uh, machine learning and the Google Assistant. This is something that really sort of has taken off in 2017. I know that we have a lot of these really neat machine learning type tools like we've got the quick draw where you can where you draw something and the machine learning is trying to guess what it is you know we've got what is it ai duet i think is is what it's called where you learn how to, it learns how to play the piano based on how you play and really i think i think we're coming in the direction of machine learning helping us teach and helping us in the classroom, but really I think just helping kids realize how it works and how, um, and the potential of it really is huge. And then with the the Google assistant too, you know, I think a lot of people, <laughs> I, I wonder if, you know, the, the Google home, the Amazon echo and, you know, all of those, those kind of like digital assistants, I think that those were probably pretty hot gifts in the holiday season. And I bet there's a lot of teachers out there that are kind of playing with these things for the first time. And they're really ripe for empowering us to have information at our fingertips for making some things a little bit easier. That's really what we dug into a lot in episode 31, where we talked about Google Assistant and what it could do in the classroom. So I'm glad that they touched on this one in this article, because I really think that it'll be interesting to see in this coming year what schools are able to do with these assistants and with machine learning um, just to make things more streamlined and easier so that we can focus our attention on other things. And you know what's interesting about this article is even though it's called 12 things that you may have missed in in 2017, there are like a bazillion things in yeah. this article. So it's yep. it, it's one of those things like once you open it up like this, you could spend half a day um, just digging into all of the resources and the links. And so one of the other things that's mentioned that we talk a lot I think almost every episode we managed to mention something about Google Arts and culture. Yep. And so they've got a reference there about some of the updates that they've seen with the Google Arts and Culture. And they've got some just amazing projects. We talked about the We Wear Culture uh, when that one popped out between uh, cultural you know, meets fashion. And they had all these artifacts that you could explore. And there's even a link to... Um, the the West Side Story artifacts. So if you are a musical junkie like I am, you might enjoy seeing some of the original uh, photographs from rehearsals and some other things. So, you know, as I've said before, I think Google's just sort of archiving everything under the sun, you know, history, artifacts, uh, all of the places and in the, the World Heritage sites and everything that you can visit inside the, the arts and culture. I still want to call it the Cultural Institute. But um, it's, I have to think really hard. So but there, there's some really, really amazing things that you can see there. A lot of that connects back into um, Street View and 360 that you can view inside, you know, a virtual reality headset like Google Cardboard. So they have released some just fantastic updates, I think, in into the entire Google Arts and Culture uh, program this year. Yeah, and I'm I'm just sort of amazed at the sheer volume of all the stuff that's out there. So I'm guessing 
especially if you teach sort of within the humanities and like, you know, English and social studies and all of that, but even in, you know, into science and there are probably ties to math and lots of other content areas. I mean, there's, there's really a lot out there if you haven't checked it out. So yeah, I, I love that one too. Um, another thing that they touched on was that in 2017, we got introduced to Nat and Friends. Now, I didn't really know about this until I saw it in this post, but this is, is really a pretty cool thing. So it turns out that um, this is a kind of like a 20% time initiative that um, some Googlers, you know, people who work at Google have put together. And basically this YouTube channel called Nat and Friends, it has almost 200,000 subscribers as of the time we're recording this. Um, it's basically Googlers that pull pull back the curtain and show you what it's like behind the scenes at Google. And they take requests from their viewers of things that they're curious about related to Google. And they've made some pretty neat videos. You know, they, they have one that's called, Will Computers Ever Hear Like People Do? There's one that says, the Google app's new voice. And so it gets into kind of like the, you know, the, the voice behind the things that you hear within Google. And um, <laughs> I love the title of this one. How does your phone know this is a dog? You know, so it, it's like, how does it know? How is it able to interpret what is in these images? And so it's just a lot of these, if you have curiosity related to things in, you know, things related to Google, then you've definitely got to check out this, this YouTube channel. Yeah, that's awesome. And the, and they are very entertaining. Um, I think the YouTube channel does actually use the word tomfoolery. Oh, yeah, it does. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, so if you're into tomfoolery at Google, uh, you may want to check that that YouTube channel out, Nat and Friends. So, uh, another little anniversary that we had in 2017 was the 10th anniversary of Google Street View. So, you know, there's some amazing things that we can see in Street View. And you, you can even in this article see pictures of people with the huge cameras on their, their backs as they're mapping out these, you know, most incredible places in the world. And and we've talked a lot about these in previous episodes too. Like we talked about the crabs and Christmas Island and and things like that. But wait for this. Okay. You're gonna know what a geek I am. Winter is here, my friends. <laughs> so um if you are a Game of Thrones fan, you can visit Westeros in Street View. Yes, you heard me correctly. You can. You can jump in. Um, so you can go into the article and you can see the filming locations. You can jump into Winterfell directly if you want to go to Winterfell and see where it was filmed. And so you can see it all. I'm looking at it actually right now in Street View in 360 on my monitor. And I'm, you know, yeah, it's it's not, I mean, it's not just the, the, the set. It's, it's real world. So they're cars and stuff and it's not all the fictional world but uh, if you want to geek out a little bit and visit some of the areas that uh, where they film and they film all over the world I'm pretty sure for for Game of Thrones because they have some very interesting settings uh, but if you if you want to uh, check that out because winter uh, winter was coming but apparently it is here now and you can you can go check that out and see where the tall people fight, you can go to the Iron Bank, you can see the Frostfang Mountains, you can see it all. Yay, I am so excited to go check that out. <laughs> I have no idea what any of those things were that you just said. Uh, 
And I know what I'm doing by saying that I am putting myself out there to the tribe to to show that I think you guys already knew if you're listening. I think if you've listened to many episodes, I think you already know that I don't listen to Game of Thrones and have not started recently. But hey, if you're into that kind of thing, that's great. I'm happy for you. Go check this out on Street View. <laughs> I'm just not going to, you know, just me. So anyway, <laughs> so to mo- move along on the list, um, this is a little one, but for for people like me that use uh, Android cell phones, this is kind of a great one. Their emojis changed. So if you've ever used a an Android device, you may have seen that instead of the nice little round smiley faces and winky faces and um, you know angry faces or whatever in your emojis, instead of the nice little round ones, they had these things that they affectionately called blobs. At least some people called them blobs anyway. Um, they were kind of like circles, but it was almost like a circle that had been affected by gravity because it was like bigger on the bottom. And um, so they finally got rid of those. And now we have regular old round smiley faces. But that probably wasn't the biggest deal when it comes to their emojis, because there was a little bit of an uprising around the Android emoji for the cheeseburger. Now, if you're not familiar (laughs) with this, you may just need to go Google um, the Android cheeseburger. And this was kind of like breaking news for a little while because in this emoji, for some reason, they took the slice of cheese that you put on the cheeseburger and they put it on the bottom, like below the hamburger. And everybody knows that if you're going to make burgers like on the grill or whatever, that you can't put the cheese on the bottom because then it would stick to the grill or the griddle or whatever you're making it on. The cheese always goes on the top. But in the emoji, it was on the bottom for whatever reason. Google fixed it. They moved the cheese to the top. They reissued it and peace was restored to the world. So big changes to the emojis. (laughs) It makes you wonder, like, who designed it? Is that somebody who just wasn't familiar with the hamburger? Doesn't eat cheeseburgers? Because if it's somebody who doesn't eat cheeseburgers, that is not my kind of person. Or was it just somebody who did it just just to see if people would notice? You know, like, you know, it's like those little Easter eggs kind of thing. But so I was just testing this out because in Hangouts, they still look like the old emojis for me anyway. Oh, Yeah. I well, just sent you a smiley face. In yeah, I noticed that. I've got a round smiley face on You're my, just round, on my minus, hangout. Yeah. Mine is still the blob. Maybe I need an update. That, Maybe that you could, do. That's right. That and can, could I, be can, it, I, but... can I amend my statement earlier in saying that if you don't eat cheeseburgers, you're not my kind of person? That's not true. <laughs> I don't really mean that. So well, nobody's going to like you in this episode. I know. I know. I don't watch Game of Thrones and I just diss people who don't eat cheeseburgers. What is what's wrong with me? It's the cold. Let's blame it on the cold. That's okay. That's okay. Well, you know, our our last little tidbit that we wanted to share from this amazing article really has to do with something fun and creative and that's the google doodles so the the little doodles that you see on the google homepage from time to time and and they've actually it seems like they do them almost every day now but they you know they have some sort of significance and oftentimes these are very educational for students i feel like that's a teachable moment when that pops up on the screen and the kids are like hey 
what's that? Click on it. Let's find out. Um, You know, if you have time that day, but there's an entire archive of these. If you didn't realize it, you can go back and look at the different ones on the different dates. And I know oftentimes they, uh, they teach me something very new about somebody, you know, important in history that I just, I didn't realize. And oftentimes they find, I think sort of the, the lesser known types of historical figures and people who were important in, in different facets that we don't often study in school. So I think it's an interesting way to, to bring, uh, bring some education into the doodle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the fact that, that they have contests with the doodles too, and people can make their own and submit them sometimes. And yeah, yeah. Who doesn't love Google doodles? You know, it's, it's all, all good fun. So like I said, uh, we we barely scratched the surface of what Google has shared in 2017. So if you want to check out what we've shared and a link to this fabulous article, you can get it all in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 37. Hey, Tribe, in case you didn't realize, our one-year anniversary for the Google Teacher Tribe podcast is coming up, and we need your help. We would love to kind of turn the show over to you to help us ring in this this one-year anniversary by giving you the microphone and hearing some of your best Google tips. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to go to googleteachertribe.com forward slash feedback and leave us a voicemail using the little speak pipe. It's really easy to do, but here's the thing. Keep it under two minutes because, you know, this this show has a way of just getting longer and longer and we really want to keep them short and sweet. So, so leave us a two minute tip using, you know, whatever your favorite tips and tricks and tools and strategies for the classroom that we can share with others. And so make them good because you want to be on the episode. It's going to be the epic anniversary episode. Yes. And of course, make sure to say your name and where you're from so that we know who's giving the the tip. And we will look forward to turning over the microphone to you for our anniversary episode coming up soon. It's time for the mailbag. So we've got some feedback and questions and shares from the tribe, which is you. And this is probably one of my favorite parts uh, of the episodes is is getting to help teachers, but also to learn from you because you guys always have some great questions and really cool tips and tricks. So our first question comes from Stephen. Stephen wants to know, how do I allow users to first preview a doc before forcing them to make a copy? I'm sure someone mentioned it, but I didn't get to try it out before it slipped my mind. And what Steve is referring to was a tip that we shared um, a couple episodes ago and is actually from one of my blog posts on how to create G Suite template links. And it's actually really, really easy, Steve. At the end of the link where you see the word edit, you're actually going to change that to template forward slash preview. And that will pop open the window that will show you what it looks like and give you that magic button to use template. Now, um, I will have the directions in the show notes as well. Of course, sharing still applies. You can't, that link's not going to work for anyone unless it's shared anyone with the link. But 
The other thing is, is I've noticed this doesn't always work so well on mobile. So just keep that in mind. So sometimes you still need to use that force a copy piece instead. So not exactly a perfect solution, but I hope that helps. Now, the next one we've got comes to us. You ready for this, Casey? Comes to us all the way from Brazil. So this is Clarissa and she is from Brasilia, Brazil, and she has a really cool tip for using Google Sites. So Clarissa, go ahead and take it away. Hi, Matt and Casey. This is Clarissa from Brazil. I'm an innovator and trainer down here in Brasilia. And I was thrilled to find out about the new embed uh, from your latest podcast. I just listened to it yesterday. I was at the gym and it was uh, kind of an embarrassing moment. Uh, you know, I was so excited. I think I was talking to myself and laughing. It was so funny on the treadmill. But anyway, love it. And I'm currently working on a project for my school, Casa Thomas Jefferson, down here in Brasilia. And I decided to uh, go and check out the embed thing. So I really wanted SKC uh, to have a blogging type of page in sites. So what I what occurred to me to try was I created a blog on Blogger. And went back to the site of this program, this uh, teacher digital development program I am working on at my school. And I embedded the blog by URL onto a site page. And it seems to have worked. It looks really cool. And I even tried uh, commenting on it uh, directly on the site page. And it seems to have worked. So I don't know if this is a workaround uh, to the problem. But check it out. Okay. I shared it with Casey. Love the show. Thank you, guys. Ah, Clarissa, this is such a cool idea. I love this. So if you want to use that Google site and you want to have sort of like a blog page in it, then why not? You know, that's a that's a great workaround. Why not just go ahead and take that link from that blog and stick it into a page, just sort of like embed that page onto a page in your Google site. So see, this is this is the kind of stuff that Casey and I love is whenever you guys are sharing stuff like this and we get to learn right alongside you and it's just it's brilliant. So we love you guys. Thank you for submitting that, Clarissa. Yes, thank you. Because that question comes up all the time. Where is the blogging piece in Google Sites? Uh So there is our little Band-Aid for the moment until Google answers our magic question. So our, our next question comes to us from Steve Dudek from Suffield, Illinois. And he has a, a Google Classroom question. Take it away, Steve. Hi, Google teacher Tribe Podcast. Thank you for putting out such a great show. I have a question for you. Uh, my name is Steve Dudek, and I'm teaching at Suffield High School in Suffield, Connecticut. My question is this. Is there a way that once I create a class in Google Classroom, uh, I use the calendar feature uh, for the next year, that calendar and its assignments and events that get posted to it, uh, I have to re-enter them each year. Is there a way to carry those assignments, events, and projects forward 12 months so that I don't have to continually re-add the same ones in? Thank you. Okay, Steve. So this is this is a question that I get very often. Probably you do too, Matt. But inside Google Classroom, you can actually do something that's called a reuse post. And so when you go into Classroom and you, you little tap on your little plus sign, you'll see reuse post is the one at the very top. And from here, you can select the class 
where that post has appeared before. So if it is a class uh, that you've already given the assignment to, say first period, and you want to reuse it with second period, you can pull it from here and go find the assignment and click reuse. It will magically add everything into your assignment. It'll copy the title, the instructions. Now you will need to go ahead and and reattach most of the time uh, what you know, the sharing rights and how you want it shared through the assignment if you want to keep all of that. And Steve, the great thing is even if that class has been archived, so it, it's not maybe a class you're teaching right now, but the class you taught last year and you're reusing, reusing the post for this semester or the school year, you can go ahead and reuse that. So the key is just finding that uh, that very top option when you go to the plus sign to reuse post. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that I've seen people do before that's really neat is that they will create a separate class that they call like their assignment repository and they'll take all of their former assignments and they'll store them in there and then they'll just use the reuse post button to pull from that assignment repository. So if you've got cl- uh, assignments that could kind of cross over from class to class, that's one way that you can keep them all in one place and then just reuse them. So, yeah, the reuse button is an is an awesome feature. All right. And then the next one we've got, this comes from Melissa Rivera in Long Island, New York. Now, don't they say on Long Island instead of in Long Island? I think I remember reading that someplace. I don't know. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't sound right when you say in. Right. Yeah. So we're going to go with in, on Long yeah. Island. Somebody definitely, <laughs> you know, tweet at us and let us know. But Melissa asks, is there a way to annotate slides when in presentation mode? In PowerPoint, you can hover at the bottom right of the screen and select the pen tool, but slides only has the pointer tool. It's kind of like the um, the laser pointer tool, you know, where you can't actually draw. And she says, when my students create presentations, they often have missing information that they want their classmates to supply during the lesson. And I've been converting their slides into PowerPoint to do this, which offsets the formatting of some slides. Do you have any other suggestions? And so when we were first looking at this, Melissa, the answer was going to be no, that we went back just to double check and looked at all the tools you can use whenever you present a slide. And of course, the um, Google Slides doesn't have that option natively. But I started looking into the Chrome extensions and I found this Chrome extension called PageMarker. And so what PageMarker basically does is it lets you draw on top of any page that's on your screen. So what you can do is you can go and hit the pre- the uh, present button. You and you probably want to uh, do the the presenter view. And so, you know, whenever I do that, I'll close out the um, you know, the the speaker notes section and all of that. And if you don't have the screen full size, like full screen, you should have access still to your Chrome extensions. And so you click on that page marker button, you choose your color, and then the page marker will let you draw on top of the slide that you've got. So that is one kind of workaround to all of this that that could definitely work. It's not actually built into slides, but that is one way that you would be able to draw on top. So that wraps up our mailbag section. We love getting questions and ideas from all of you. So if you have something to submit to us, go ahead and head over to googleteachertribe.com to do that there. Or you can always tweet to us at the GT Tribe hashtag on Twitter. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. 
podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. So to kind of put a bow on this episode, we're going to share a couple of blog posts as we usually do. And the one that I wanted to share with you today is one I just did recently on my blog. Uh, it's actually co-authored with Laura Steinbrink, who is a teacher and tech coach from Missouri. And we came up with this, uh, this kind of fun idea called Caption This. And it's something that you can do in Google Drawings and Google Slides where basically what you're doing is you're pulling in an image into a Google drawing or a, a slide on Google Slides, and you're sticking speech bubbles or thought bubbles on top of that image to kind of annotate it. And we walk you through kind of like four different levels of this activity from a very basic one to a little bit uh, bigger one. And we talk about how this is kind of a fun, deep thinking activity where, and we, we even touch on how kind of like why this works, why, um, you know, how this is deeper critical thinking and, you know, sort of some of the, a little bit of the research behind it too. So this was a really neat one. It's already had, um, you know, some pretty good traction out on, on social media and everything. So if that sounds like something you might like to do, it's even got some, uh, some templates that you can copy, uh, definitely go check that out. Love that post, Matt. Really, really fun ideas. And I think the kids are going to love that. Yeah. So I also had a little announcement earlier this week. I, I started a members only library on my website. So it's completely free. But if you have ever gone to Shake Up Learning to get the cheat sheets or one of the ebooks or one of the, the several different things that I offer, you usually have to fill out a form, go confirm your email, and then you get the download. And it's, it's kind of frustrating if you're a, a longtime follower and you still have to do that. So I created the membership library where you can create an account, uh, username and password. And you get it all on one page. So you can get all the downloads right there instead of having to to fill out forms. And there will be more added soon. In fact, I've got a pretty big project that I'm working on. So you'll be able to get everything there. It's all free. It takes a few seconds to sign up. You don't even have to confirm your email. So I um, just just wanted to make it easier for you to get all of all of the free downloads uh, that that I offer on the website. Yeah, that's such a great idea. And oh my goodness, if you have not seen all of the cheat sheets and the different downloads that Casey has out there, I'm directing people over to them all the time. So definitely go check those out. Well, Tribe, I think that about wraps it up. I think we have survived some freezing temperatures, some snow, uh, winter has has come and hopefully it is going away soon <laughs> although we we did visit Winterfell as well to, in today's episode but we hope that you had a little bit of fun along the way you picked up some new google tips and tricks and and please keep sharing and and leave us a review in 
iTunes and let us know what you think that helps other teachers find the podcast. And so we are so grateful for you to be listening to us today. And we hope that everybody has a great start to the brand new year. Yeah. And, and I, I think we're, we're pretty interested also in what you're excited about for the new year. So if you've got something Google related or even not Google related that you're excited about in the classroom, why don't you tweet that to us over at the GT Tribe hashtag and we'll be, we'll be curious to see what you guys are excited about. So that wraps it up. We'll see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Okay. All right, I'm going to... Shut this off. Bye, Chris. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.